Hello and welcome to the Shape of Work, a podcast series by Springworks. My name is Anoop and I am your host. Each week we'll be talking to top people managers across the world on the future of work and how it's shaping our workplace. So sit back and get ready to find out more from these movers and shakers as we have a no holds barred anything goes conversation with them about their journey, their insights, their thoughts, and most importantly their ideas and vision for the workplace of the future. Join in on the conversation. Leave a comment and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Hello and welcome to another episode of Shape of Work podcast. In this episode today we have with us Mr. Ram Prasant Ganeshan who is the Chief Strategy Officer at Ipopay. Hi Ram Prasant sir, thank you for coming and joining for us today. So to give a little bit of context for our wonderful listeners, would you please take us through your career journey so far? So sure. For a good part of my life I've been a banker. So uh, I have primarily done uh, financial services in fintech investment banking so that's for a good 10 years of uh, my life before joining ipope prior to that i was uh, for about a few months i was with a private equity fund and before that i was i, I started my career part as part of crisel and uh, it was a kpo and we were supporting an investment bank so largely financial services focused and before that i was pursuing my chartered accountancy so that's that's largely how my uh, graph has been all right all right so um you have a wealth of experience spanning more than a decade in fields like um the investment banking and advising numerous business in the financial services and technology industries what contributed to your achievement this uh, level of growth in your professional career to where you are today so i think um let me sort of not run ahead of myself i i think there is a long way for me to sort of go to there is there's a lot more that could have been done within this window but i think uh, one part of what i have done a good part of what i've i've done is i've been lucky most of my time at investment banking i've i got the opportunity to work in deals and sectors that have been fairly you know part of the upcycle which is which has been cyclically positive i would think people need to consciously try and seek some of these opportunities and and uh, find people to work with who would sort of help them get into that trajectory the other thing i would think which has been fairly helpful for me is i have been lucky to sort of work with largely mentor material people people who you be look up to so if you don't look up to people whom you're working for generally you don't tend to learn much you do not take into considerations the uh, consideration the learnings that come your way as part of the the work that you do etc so i've had it multiple i've been very lucky with the kind of people i've i've had the opportunity to work with so primarily even today at epope working with the team which has been put together by mohan and and jay in fact working with mohan and jay themselves i believe is is fairly a solid start for someone who's who's sort of trying to come as a, an outsider into a very insider heavy industry like fintech it's a it's an industry where repeat entrepreneurs and repeat uh, officers and 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 sort of vps get a very good exposure and and therefore i believe working being able to work with people or getting the opportunity to to work with people who i i've been able to look up to has has helped me uh, go a long way absolutely to have that kind of inspirations from our mentors and having the people like that around us is a big big uh, boost to our achievements 
So my next question to you would be, what is the overall work culture like at Ipope? And how would you describe the atmosphere in your workplace? So see, Ipope is a very, you know, culturally clear organization. We don't have, you know, people dotting several ends of a matrix. We we have slightly, you know, well-defined aspects from a culture standpoint. So one, as an organization, we're not, you know, aggressive culturally. <clears throat> we are a classic South India focused, nice, happy family kind of a company. Each department or each vertical functions differently. For instance, our developers are people who typically don't come from uh, IITs I, uh, or some of the very pedigreed colleges for whom we obviously have a lot of respect for. Mm-hmm. But we invariably end up taking people fairly young from tier two, tier three colleges, low key towns and so on, work with them, train them. So these are people who have their heads strongly grounded on their shoulders. These are people who, who, you know, they have a lot of respect for the opportunity that's being afforded to them. They work when, when they join us, they work with us to build world-class products. uh, But that's an opportunity they don't always get every day. That also translates into translates into a fairly high stickiness. We don't have a lot of attrition. So generally, culturally, we are a very, we know that uh, we are a regulated organization. We know that we are an organization that needs to be very responsible. Uh, You will see that in every sort of interaction each of us have, and that will sort of permeate across the entire, uh, you know, organizational layer. It's not something where you will see the aggression of outbidding another organization, doubling, tripling, chasing down talent because it comes from a certain pedigree and so on and so forth. We value people for the outcome. We are a very outcome oriented organization. Uh, We are a very revenue first organization. At the same time, we give very decently long rope for people. We know if someone is, is going through a bad phase, we know, and and we give them the the extra leg room. So these are things that we believe we're doing. We obviously are also cognizant of the fact that we may be doing things that may not be very optimal, Mm -hmm. Uh, but we are happy to take inputs, feedback. Someone came and told us that you're a training focused organization. You don't have a dedicated trainer. Now we've realized that we need a dedicated trainer in each vertical. And this was an outside and feedback from another entrepreneur who gave us. So now we've implemented it. So we understand that there will be gaps. We will consciously work to fixing it. You know, I'm not saying we're all goodness. There are no gaps and, 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 and that's not what I'm trying to say. But uh, clearly we're an organization that believes that we're doing something progressive, sensible, and we are very responsible about how we approach life here. We don't want to spoil the market. We don't want to do things that are that we don't think is sustainable. But that's that's how we think about life. Absolutely. I completely agree. The integrity of the organization is very important in actually fixing problems, coming up to solutions and all that, that can enhance your organization. So I'm sure our listeners are very curious about the hiring scenario at Epope. So what is it? like the onboarding process so i'm splitting this question into two parts so the hiring scenario is is fairly robust we are through the last 12 18 months we've not stopped the velocity of hiring we've not laid off anyone because of our resource constraint we are very consciously hiring across categories so we'd be more than happy and excited to get inbounds from people and we would look at each one of them that's that's generally how the hiring scenario is we are we are adequately well capitalized to ride through the funding winter we we and we will continue to hire and grow through this phase so this is one part of the question so from an onboarding process standpoint i think 
a process is not something that I'm going to take up and, and sort of discuss in detail because I think it's more of a very procedural organizational thing. Mm-hmm. I would think I'll try and answer this slightly differently. If you take anyone who is trying to think through whether they will fit into an organization such as ours, I would think the things that we look at when we bring talent like this on board across is three, four things, right? One, we want to be very clear that uh, we won't throw money at problems. So that's something that people coming in will need to sort of reckon with, especially people in the finance team and so on and so forth know this. So we don't solve problems by just hitting with truckload of money because we know that that's not a sustainable solution. It's not a solution at all. And that's in the context of typically how at least globally the startup scene has been looking. You have seen deep burn startups that believe they can sort of work for two years, three years with no revenue model and so on. That's something that we won't do. And therefore, it as an HR aspect, what that sort of uh, feeds into is that we don't do well with people who feel entitled. We want to bring in people and onboard people who understand that an organization and you are getting into a relationship. If you don't work with the organization, the organization won't work with you. We want to see a real fight from the talent that we're bringing on board. And that's something that I think is ingrained fairly deeply across uh, the entire Epopay culture per se. That's something that we would consciously look for. So when I think about your question, that's something a lot, which is a lot more important for me to address and get that elephant out uh, of the box before anything else. Is, is, did I answer part of your question or I still have kept anything open? I'm happy, happy to take it if you can sort of guide me on that. No, absolutely. I'm sure our listeners are pretty clear about what goes around in Ipopay. So going beyond, were there any significant challenges you faced and you had to overcome over the years? So I... I think uh, challenges are two types, right? One is personal challenges. Uh, in the sense, personally, at, when I'm building my career, there are challenges that as an individual I'll face. These are challenges that are very specific to my quirks. For instance, attention to detail was a problem and a challenge that I had to solve for. And being in banking, that is uh, 101, right? So the first two years was fairly hard. Banking is in general a very difficult business. If you're in investment banking, you you don't get weekends. You generally end up pulling several late nights in a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on top of that, if you are missing the, the detail where the devil is, you are going to have serious challenges building your career there. So sometimes I think um, you we we'll have to take a step back and tell ourselves that this is the most important thing to solve. You fix this, everything else will then start flowing. And I, I, I think in that sense, it was true. But otherwise, I think people in fintech, I would think people who are trying to come into fintech, the challenges that they they would face are primarily, especially and, and especially if someone's in HR who is, I, I'm not best positioned or, or I'm not the technically the right guy to comment on what an HR would face as a challenge. But what I would expect the HR to look at in a business talent when they're hiring primarily would be to see if they have curiosity. I think constructive curiosity is super important. Um, And this will lead you into, for instance, most of my understanding from fintech does not come from reports written by McKinsey or BCG or Bain or or any of the other Deloitte, uh, EY, KPMG folks. It doesn't come from IBEF. And all my understanding comes from Twitter. It comes from 
uh, Substack. It comes from, you know, the personal feeds of some of the fintech founders, of deep tech founders, of SaaS founders. It comes by walking the streets, meeting businesses, asking them what their problem is. I think two challenges that people don't sort of address is they don't get everything from standard secondary information. And if you don't find people who are willing to get out of their chairs, go to the market, talk to people, especially at medium manager to senior levels, not freshers. I I would think freshers can be molded. But if you're four years, five years working, you want to get into fintech and you're doing something else. If you were not in the face of your customers, if you were not in the face of your suppliers, or if you were not on the field talking to a lot of people, right? I would suspect if you would do well in a fintech company because fintech companies have to work in very, very, you know, uncomfortable situations. Sometimes you have to work with people who don't need you. You need them more. You have to work with very large banks who don't, for, for in front of who you will look very small. You have to work with CTOs of companies who meet about 200 fintechs a day. You have to speak with investors who get about thousand, you know, uh, ideas a day. So if you are trying to get into a fintech organization, uh, every work becomes your work. You cannot compartmentalize beyond a level because it's it's a space that's just evolving very, very fast. That's something that is a challenge if you don't have it, which means then you have to develop it. It has to be coached. Um, if you already have it, I think it's it's phenomenal. Uh, then you're hot cake. Absolutely. I agree. So any piece of advice for budding enthusiasts that will be entering our industry? I'm sorry, your industry, my industry? I mean, fintech, your industry, HR. definitely looking at that aspects, what would you give them the advice? So I would think that um, you got to be bold. You got to be very seri- seriously bold. I mean, I think that everyone's going to come in and tell you that you can't do it most of the time. And it's just because you would, uh, they can't do it or they believe you can't do it. I think a lot of organizations are still figuring out. For instance, as late as today morning, I saw an article where JP Morgan Stanley, I'm sorry, JP Morgan is suing the founder of a company called Frank, which is a fintech company they acquired at, for $175 million a couple of years back. So now imagine JP Morgan is the world's largest corporate and investment banking firm. Its CEO, Jamie Dimon, gets paid the highest banking, one of the highest banking salaries by US banking standards. And these guys, with all their brilliance and their legal team will be monstrous. It's, it's a huge team. With all of those capabilities, they still got it wrong. So I think that there is a serious, a real change in guard across sectors. And uh, it, that's primarily because of how tech is evolving. So if, if you are seriously thinking of entering a field you and you speak to incumbents, you speak to veterans in the space, they're going to come and tell you that this is exactly the wrong way to do this. Why don't you go and do something else? Why don't you do things that you've studied for? But I think there is a wealth of material outside. Now, large, uh, uh, you know, heavy hitting degrees have all become like the new taxi medallion. You know, the uh, the real wealth of knowledge is, is all over the internet and it's in very unstructured, abstract sources, all the way from Instagram to Snapchat to Twitter to the likes of Substack, which, which is the, the new phenomenon for, for printing and running newsletters, websites of companies, all of these are very good sources of information, which a lot of people don't otherwise look and therefore the incumbents don't know what's happening. Absolutely. Uh, my advice would be to just go out there and do it. Yes. 
taking away and utilizing these resources are an absolute gold and we should definitely take part in opportunity and see the opportunity of use utilizing these resources and i'm sure there is a lot of takeaway from the content you shared today thank you for sharing so this brings us to the end of the podcast thank you mr ram prashant sir it was lovely hosting you today hello likewise thanks okay. thank you thank you so much sir